Good morning, everyone. It's good to see all of you here this morning at this beautiful spot here in Winlock. Um, I am very delighted and happy to be here. I want to thank Pastor John uh, for the invitation and for the opportunity to share the Word of God with you um, this morning and throughout this weekend. Also, I'm happy that Pastor Keith is here, too, so I have, I have very good backup, um, just in case. I just want to um, share with you a few, a few little things before, um, before I have a word of prayer and get into the Word this morning. So, um, as Pastor John said, I, I'm happily married to my wife, Candace, and we have a 13-year-old daughter, and then our son is 18 months old now. His name is, uh, well, my daughter, 13-year-old daughter, her name is Lala. My son is Adonijah, and then our four-month-old daughter, or five-month-old daughter, is Charity. And so I wish they could be here. They send their regards, um, and their prayers are, are ascending, um, even as I'm speaking now, for the Holy Spirit to, to be with us. So... I'm just delighted and happy to be here. I am of Samoan descent, um, and so I just, want to, uh, I just want to dash any preconceived notions or ideas that you might have about Samoans. We do come in different sizes, um, and, I, and I, am of, I am of the smaller variety, but it's okay. You know, not all of us Samoans are, are, are huge and hulky and, and big and bulky, um, but that's okay. Um, and and I'm, I'm just thankful that I'm here my, my father was a, was a pastor, so I'm a PK, and my mother was a friend of God. They're both now, both, I mean, they're both sleeping in Jesus. Um, I come from, there's 10 boys and two girls in our family, and uh, so we, big family. I grew up in West Seattle, um, and I'm going to share some of my testimony uh, throughout the presentations with you, how God really rescued me, uh, reconciled me, and, uh, and restored me. Um, I must, I'll just let you guys know a little bit um, of, of my background. Although I was a PK, um, you know, we actually came from California. We, I was born in San Francisco, and I was raised there for a little while before my parents accepted a call to pastor the church in Tacoma, the Samoan churches in Tacoma. My father was a pioneer um, of the Samoan work all along the West Coast, from Samoa to Hawaii to California, and then here in Washington, over there in Tacoma. My older brothers got in trouble a lot when we were in California, in and out of the system, in and out of prison, um, drug dealing, drug using, um, into all of that type of activity. And so you can, you can, you can uh, just imagine that it also um, you know, trickled down to the younger ones as well. And so I was caught up in that lifestyle. Um, there in West Seattle, um, dealt drugs, did drugs, in and out of the system, um, ran drugs from Washington through Oregon to California through Hawaii, uh, recruited young people to be runners for me once upon a time in Hawaii. And uh, I just want to share with you that I praise God for the gospel. I praise God for Jesus. And I want to share with you that that's the reason why I'm standing here is because of Jesus and also because of my mama's prayers. Um, there's nothing more powerful, I believe, than the prayers of a mother. And uh, when she is praying, I believe that God... Um, heard her prayer and uh, rescued me from that lifestyle. Um, if you would have seen me then, you would have, I'm totally different. Um, and, and it's all because of what God, what God does and what, what, you know, the gospel, the power of the gospel. So um, I'll, I'll get into more of that as we're going along, but I'd like to share with you this morning um, something from the Word of God that I think will, I believe will be a blessing. So let's pray for the Holy Spirit, that gift that we so desperately need. And the Father so desperately wants to bestow. So please join me um, and just uh, pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I, we thank you. Lord, we stand in awe, sit in awe, kneel in awe, Lord, as we think about being in your presence this morning and that we have an audience with you. The angels who cry out, holy, 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 and all the heavenly hosts, Lord, they, they worship you and they praise you and adore you. I pray, dear God, that we too will join in that worship this morning. I pray for the gift of the Holy Spirit that Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, verse 13, that if you parents who are wicked and willing to give good gifts to your children, how much more is your heavenly Father willing to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit if you ask? And this morning, we are asking for the Holy Spirit, Lord. 
We're asking for the baptism and the anointing and the outpouring of your Holy Spirit like you promised. Please, dear God, if there was ever a time that we need the Holy Spirit, that time is now, Lord. It is the greatest need of the church. And so, Father, we are asking and praying that you would pour out your Spirit, that your Spirit will move among us, and that your Spirit, Lord, will bring the Word to each and every heart. Father, thank you so much for my family here. I don't know, Lord, what they've come with this morning. I don't know their struggles. I don't know them personally. But, Father, you know. And because you know, I pray that you will provide whatever is needed for each one. Thank you, Lord, for hearing this prayer, for I ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. A, few, a couple of weeks ago, July 20th, I was on my way to Maple Valley Church, my, myself and my, my wife and my kids, when I got a phone call. And on the other end was my niece. And my niece said, Uncle, I just received a very strange text. I said, okay, um, what's going on? She said, a friend of mine has a friend who wants to commit suicide. He wants to take his life. And she told me that the only one that he'll talk to is you. Now, let me, let me, just, let me just share with you as I, before I go on with the rest of the story. We had been praying, my wife and I, and also I've been praying with, with several other pastors we have been praying for the Holy Spirit. We have been praying for revival. We have been praying for divine appointments and divine encounters. We're asking the Lord, Lord, send us to people who need you and send people to us who need you. And so as, as I was listening to my niece, she said, this, this, this brother, the only one he'll talk to is you. And she said, I hope you don't mind, but I gave him your number. And just as she said that, there was a call coming in, and I didn't recognize the number. And I said to my niece, okay, um, I love you. Happy Sabbath. I think that might be him on the other line. So she hung up. And when, when, I, when I got the call and answered the call, the gentleman on the other line said, is this Pastor Maya? I said, yes, this is Pastor Maya. He said, he said, brother, I need to come see you. He said, I need to come see you. He said, I'm sick and tired of my lifestyle. I'm sick and tired of what I'm doing. I'm sick and tired of living in sin. He says, I need to be set free. And I need to come and see you. And so I shared with him, I, I shared with him I'm heading over to Maple Valley Church, and I asked him, where are you? And he said that he was over there in Burien and that he was going to meet me there at Maple Valley. So I get to Maple Valley Church, Sabbath school starts. I'm sitting in Sabbath school. Next thing you know, my wife comes in. She says, I think he just pulled in. And when I went outside, the young man was crying. And, and, and he, you can smell the alcohol on his breath. But he just flung himself at me and threw his arms around me with tears streaming down his face and said, I need Jesus in my life. I, I can't break away from the chains that are holding me. I can't set myself free. I need Jesus. And at that moment... I knew right away, I knew right away that he was in the right place at the right time because Jesus, the Savior, was going to set him free. And beloved, I want to share with you that I hugged this young man and I, and I shared with him, I said, listen, I said, I'm here for you, man, we love you, and, and we're, 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 you know, I want to, I want to pray with you. And he said, he said, please, pastor, pray for me. He said, I want to be set free. He said, I want to know the word of God. I want to know the God of the Bible. He said, I grew up in the church, but I never had a relationship with Jesus. In fact, I was turned off early on because I used to get teased in church. I used to get bullied in church. And so I looked at God from that, from that perspective and I thought, man, I don't want anything to do with God or the church if this is the way that the church behaves. And he said that his mom prayed for him all the time and the only text that he knew, and he even recited it right then and there, is John 3.16. <laughs> I said, that's all that you need to know. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I want to share with you that what, what, what came out of that was, he was a young man broken 
on the verge of taking his own life, alcohol on his breath, and yet crying out to God for help, crying out to God for freedom, crying out to God for salvation. I got good news for you. Ever since that encounter, I've been having Bible studies with that young man and his entire family in his home. And he even had a cousin call in from San Francisco and listen via on, 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 on speakerphone into our Bible study because he too is looking for Jesus. Beloved, let me share with you that when we make ourselves available for the Holy Spirit and we are praying for the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will direct and he will guide and he will lead. He will make those encounters and those appointments take place. He will stir up people's hearts for a hunger and a desire and a longing and a yearning for God. Because I want to share with you right now that there's nothing on the face of this planet that satisfies the soul more than Jesus. And so that's why I'm going to take you to the passage I'm going to take you to. And you know what's, what was really amazing about this is this young man, when I asked him who he was, he said his name is Moses. And he said, you know my older brother because my older brother used to run with you in the gang. And I said, you, so you, you were that little guy that was running around when we were doing all that dirt, when we were doing all that foolishness. He said, yeah. He said, I witnessed all of that. He said, he said and I got caught up in that lifestyle. That's, what, that's, why, that's why I am where I am today, and that's why I'm coming to you. And you know what, the, what was really amazing about it was the way that he heard about me was through my nephew several years ago. My nephew also was running, was in the game, in and out of prison, and he was, he was the one who was shot on New Year's Eve, this past New Year's Eve, up in North Seattle by police officers. He was shot and killed. And yet, when this young man and my nephew used to hang out, they used to argue and debate about God. They both wanted to get out of the lifestyle. They both wanted to get out of the game. And my nephew said, listen, I don't have all the answers. They would argue and debate. He said, I don't have all the answers. But I'll tell you what, if there's anything that you want to know about God, and if there's anything you want to know about Jesus, and if you ever get yourself into a jam, go and see my uncle. Amen. Wow. This is, this is my deceased nephew now who a couple of years ago told this young man that if you ever run into the problem, if you ever want to know the Bible, if you ever want to know God, go and see my Uncle Maya. And lo and behold, he tracked me down. Let me put it this way. The Holy Spirit arranged it. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that there's going to be a revival that's going to take place that is going to just surprise and shock the church and the world. In fact, one of the things that's amazing that's happening is over there in Maple Valley, um, and this is, what, this is what's exciting about this gathering here. So you have Kent, pastored by Pastor Willie, Ivanku, and you have Renton Church, pastored by Randy Maxwell, who is the author of the book, If My People Pray. Early this year, the three of us got together and we, we, we did an honest assessment on how our churches are doing individually in our community. And what we've discovered is that we are not having the impact or the effect that we think we're having. In fact, one of, one of the pastors said that I looked back 50 years, and guess what? 50 years, he said, I've looked at the membership, I looked at, you know, baptisms. I looked at those who are coming in, and he shared that it's been a flat line all the way to the present. And some might think that that's pretty good because you're maintaining, but in medical terms, what do you call that? And so what, so what we did was we, 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 we took an honest assessment. Renton looked at it and said, you know what? We're not even touching our community. We're not reaching our community. Kent said the same thing. And Maple Valley said, we are not making the impact like we should. And so God put it on our hearts for, for the over 200,000 population between Kent, Maple Valley, and Renton. We believe that it's going to take a collaborative effort directed and led by the Holy Spirit to reach this community for Jesus. Amen. And so we've come together for united prayer. 
We pastors don't care about territory. It doesn't matter to us where they get baptized or where they go to church. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to us who's the one that does, does the baptizing. It doesn't matter to us how we're going to reach them. What we do know is that the Bible teaches us, as we looked at the book of Acts, that we are to work together in unity under the Holy Spirit, and then God will do a mighty work in the community. But when churches come together, and pastors come together, and they get serious about prayer, putting all that other stuff aside, we're allowing the Holy Spirit to go to work. And that's what's exciting. Amen. In fact, after we're done here, I go back. Okay. We just had, we just had two Samoan preachers come in from out of state just in the month of June. We had Pastor Rome who came in from Australia and we had Pastor Meshach who came from San Diego. Now here's the interesting part about it. Both of those pastors come from the same background that I have. Both ex-gang members, both ex-cons, both ex-drug dealers. And it's amazing to me that these two pastors were used so mightily in the last two camp meetings. In fact, I don't know if you, any of you were there at the camp meeting in Auburn, but Pastor Rome helped me teach a class there on how to reach the secular mind, how to reach the secular mind. And then he was the main speaker at the early teen tent every night in the evening. And I don't know if you caught it, but on that last Sabbath in the auditorium, the whole early teen tent walked in and eight early teens were baptized on Sabbath morning. Would you say amen? The whole early teen tent walked in. He even baptized people later on that week. Now, Pastor Rome comes from an interesting background because Pastor Rome grew up in New Zealand where he was kicked out of his house at the age of 15 by his father, wanted to commit suicide, wanted to kill his father, but he decided not to commit suicide because he wanted to be around to see his father suffer <laughs> and regret it. So he didn't do it. Long story short, he ended up being with his uncle in one of the most notorious biker gangs in all of New Zealand, got involved with that, with that lifestyle, drugs, alcohol, all of it, went to prison for several years, came out. His father was converted at a bus stop. His father was, went, his truck broke down at a, and then he went to the bus stop. He had a crate of beer and a sack of potatoes. And between the two, he chose the crate of beer. He went and sat down at a bus stop on that crate of beer. And right behind him in the hall behind him, there was a series going on. There was music that was coming out of that hall. And then there was a preacher who was preaching. And he was sitting there. He was just, he was just caught by the Holy Spirit. The bus came. Two buses came. He told him to go on ahead. And he listened to the sermon coming out of that hall. Now, mind you, this man hated Christianity, hated God, was an abusive husband and an abusive father. Do you know that he went to that same bus stop for three whole weeks and listened to the message? And guess what, folks? It just happened to be a seminar that was being put on by Adventists in the back of him. And when the preacher made the appeal, this man, this man, leaves the bus stop, goes in, opens up the doors, asks the greeters, okay, where's this, where, I hear the preacher, where's he at? She says, right there. And he goes in and he lifts up his arms to heaven and he says, I'm giving my life to Jesus. From a bus stop. He and his son reconciled some years later after his son got out of prison. The son with, no, with, with hardly ed, any education, by faith went to, went to Avondale, put in an application. They said, why do you think we should accept you? He said, because the Holy Spirit sent me here, and I'm serious about Jesus. They said, we're, we're not going to take you. So he threw his application in the trash, walked out. He said, okay. A couple months later, they called him back and told him, you are accepted into Avondale. And he got his BA in theology, and he was here in June, and, and he's going to do a week of prayer for us when I get back to Maple Valley. Powerful. Pastor Meshach from San Diego grew up in Los Angeles, California, 
was part of the Crip gang. <laughs> I, this is amazing that God just pulls people out of the gutter. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, Lord, what, I mean, what, what is going on? What are you doing? Like, you know, Pastor Meshach comes up. He's our main speaker for the Samoan camp meeting that followed immediately after the camp meeting, the conference camp meeting. He was the main speaker for the Samoan camp meeting all week long. The Holy Spirit put it on my heart, Pastor. Three weeks before the camp meeting started, the Holy Spirit put it on my heart. He said, call Pastor Meshach, and I want you to pray with him every single night before the camp meeting starts. So I called him, and we began to pray. He arrives at the camp meeting at, at the campground over there in Auburn, and wouldn't you know, it's exactly 21 days, and we are standing there together on the campground, and we began to pray. And he shared with me, he said, you know what's amazing about this whole thing, Pastor Nehemiah? He said, the whole time that we had been praying, I didn't even realize that I had been studying Daniel chapter 10, where Daniel was praying, and Gabriel came in answer to his prayer, but, he was, but, but the enemy withstood him. And then after 21 days, Michael came and helped him. And I want to share with you that we've been praying, prayer, united prayer and revival broke out on that campus, and praise be to God, 44 young people were baptized at the end of that camp meeting. Let me share something with you. This is my conviction. That's what camp meeting should be about. Camp meeting should be about soul winning. The manifestation of the Holy Spirit ought to be seen. The Holy Spirit should be poured out on our gatherings. What in the world is God doing grabbing somebody from West Seattle who used to be a part of the Mad Pack gang who used to wear all gray because that's the color that we wore because of the, because of the cloudy weather all the time in Washington. We wore, we wore gray dickies and, and we had gray flags on and, and all of this other stuff. And you have a former crip and then you have a former biker gang member. And God brings all of us together to pray together. God pulls us up out of that mess. He rescues us from the world. He rescues us from that lifestyle. And now he put the gospel in our mouth. <laughs> and I want to share with you that God wants to do the same everywhere. Why is it that the Holy Spirit is working so mightily in these third world countries and over here in North America? There seems to be such, uh, uh, like, where, 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 where's he at? And I, I'm here to announce and, and share with you that the same Holy Spirit that works out there is here also. <laughs> so now I'm going to get into the passage. And for this morning, I've chosen Matthew chapter 8. The account can be found also in Mark chapter 5 and in Luke chapter 8. I'm going to go to Luke Chapter 8 also, um, we're going to look at the story, story of the two demoniacs. And the reason why I'm picking Matthew is because Matthew is the one who actually um, writes down that there were two. Both Mark and Luke write down that there was one. Now some might say, well, that's kind of, isn't that a contradiction? I mean, these three writers are writing about the same account and the same story, but why, why is it different? Well, let me just put it to you this way. Matthew, because he's writing to a Jewish audience, is living by the principle, by the witness, or, uh, or the story must be confirmed by one or two witnesses. And so he uses that. The other two basically are just speaking about the one who is more prominent of the two, probably the one who is the spokesperson for the two, and so they want to highlight and they want to, they want to emphasize that. But Matthew wants to make it very clear that there are two. That there are two. Now, please look with me. And I'm going to make five points this morning. Five points this morning. Matthew chapter 8. And Pastor John, if you can just uh, keep, me, uh, keep me posted on the time. And I, I want to I I stay with the time. You don't want to miss the ones this afternoon. This afternoon, I'm going to be doing what is, I'm going to share two parts of what 
the profile, the profile of the lukewarm looks like. Okay, profile of the lukewarm based on Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. So notice what the Bible says in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 8. By the way, you're going to discover that Jesus cleanses a leper in this chapter. He heals a centurion servant, Peter's mother-in-law. And then he tells us what it, mean, what, it mean, what it takes to be a disciple. And then, of course, they're crossing the sea and a great storm takes place. And, of course, the, the disciples panic and they're crying out to their master, Lord, don't you care if we perish? And Jesus, who is sound asleep, wakes up and simply says, peace be still and the storm is calmed. I praise God that no matter, no matter what the situation, and beloved, I just want to share with you, that no matter what you're going through, no matter what we're going through, no matter what we may be facing, no matter what storms may come in our lives, I am so thankful that Jesus is with us in the midst of those storms. Okay? Jesus is with us in the midst of those storms. In fact, I'd rather be in the middle of a sea that's raging with Christ in the boat. I'd rather be in the fiery furnace with Jesus in there than outside of him, outside of it without him. Okay? Um, notice what it says, beginning in verse 28. Matthew chapter 8, verse 28, the Bible says, And when he was come to the other side, into the country of the uh, Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils, coming out of tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, what have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? Let me just share with you that when you read, when you read the accounts given in the book Desire of Ages and Ministry of Healing, the, Lord, the Lord's servant says that as these two men rushed out, they, 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 they were like madmen who were rushing out. They rushed out. They had, they had fetters. They had broken the chains, which they tried to bind them with. And now they are rushing with their matted hair. And you can just imagine um, the sounds that were coming out of them as they were rushing towards Jesus and the disciples. Now, the servant of the Lord paints an interesting picture because she says that at that time, when, when they saw these two madmen rushing towards them, what, did, what do you think the disciples did? Right? I mean, took off. They took off. Well, what's interesting is that she goes on to say that when, when, they, when they turned, they, they realized that Jesus was not with them. That he was, he was standing right where they left him. And beloved, I want to share with you that it was not just in Gethsemane when the disciples forsook and fled and left Jesus. They had already been practicing it. And what I want to share with you is this, is that the Son of the Lord also writes that we are not safe for a moment without prayer. We are not safe for a moment outside of the presence of Jesus Christ. And so why on earth, when these two demon-possessed men are running towards him, why would they leave the very one that where, where the greatest safety could be found is found with Jesus? It doesn't matter what the devil comes, with, comes at you with. It doesn't matter how he attacks you how he tries to tempt you, and how he, how he tries to come at you, as long as you have Jesus, you are safe. Could it be that perhaps the reason why we find ourselves struggling the way that we do and the church struggles too is because we don't, we, we don't remain in the presence of the one in whom we can find safety. Our only safety, folks, listen, our only safety is in Jesus. Would you say amen? amen. That's our only safety. It's in Christ. It's in Christ. These brothers took off. Now, the other interesting point about it is these two men, the demons then say to Jesus, how you come here to torment us before the time. They know... <laughs> They know about the judgment. They know that they have been reserved unto judgment. But here's something I want to point out as well with this. Um, if, you, if you would go with me real quickly, hold your thumb there. Let's go to the Gospel of Luke. 
Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Please notice what it says with me over there in verse, sorry, got my pages all. Verse 26. And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of God most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirits to come out of the man, for oftentimes it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he broke the bands and was driven out of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And what was his response? Legion. Legion because many devils were entered into him. So let me just share with you that one of the other points that the Son of the Lord writes that really, that really touched my heart was she said that the Savior knew that these men in their heart cried out for deliverance. They couldn't verbalize it themselves because every time, every time they made the attempt, the demons would speak through them. And yet Christ read the heart, Christ knew their heart, that in their heart, there was a crying out for deliverance. And so while people may look a certain way on the outside, and, and, and they may not be able to verbalize and say that they want deliverance, God sees the heart, and God can deliver. I don't know about you, but folks, I truly believe that my God, who the Bible says is the same yesterday, today, and forever over there in the book of Hebrews, and says that he does not change, I believe that God is still a prayer-hearing, prayer-answering, prayer miracle-working God. I witnessed it. When I was a Bible worker down there in Los Angeles, California for an evangelist, we were working all those neighborhood, neighborhoods. It's interesting when God saved me and he rescued me from that lifestyle, that the first place he would call me to would be the city of Watts <laughs> and Compton and Carson. And you must understand something. God was also trying to deal with some prejudices in me. Okay? I grew up around, I grew up around we, in a diverse project area, around African Americans, Native Americans, you know, Asians, Samoans. We all grew up. However, even though we were friends at very young ages, as we grew up, it became territorial. Now, the whole neighborhood was divided between gangs and, and drug wars. And, and I'll, I'll just say this, that it was a certain ethnic group that was responsible for killing my older brother in that neighborhood, killing one of my best friends, shooting them, killing my niece at the age of 22 over there in, in, in White Center. I've experienced losses that are so deep, that hurt so deep. You must understand something, folks, that this is a matter of eternal life and death. The devil's not playing games. The devil's not playing games. He's out to destroy. And to, and, but Jesus says in John 10, 10, but I've come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And so God... And he placed us right there in the heart of Watts. We went knocking on doors for months in the city of Watts. And I want to share with you that God performed miracle after miracle after miracle. We saw drug dealer, drug addict, prostitute, uh, homosexuals, um, people who were, who, were, who were in prison. We saw those folks come out to the meetings and they gave their heart to Jesus. I mean, when you got when you got gangbangers, gang members coming up to the altar and they're laying down their guns, they're laying down their drugs, they're putting down their flags. And then they turn around and God fills them with his spirit and unleashes them back into their neighborhood. We had over 200 something people baptized in those meetings in Los Angeles. I turned around and went and, did, and went and did a meeting over there in Compton. Went into those neighborhoods where my own people were at. 
They were, they were living this lifestyle, destructive lifestyle, caught up. I mean, the devil just. But I praise God that Jesus hears the cries even from those who live in these impoverished neighborhoods. And he brings something beautiful out of it. You know, Pastor, I think about that chapter over there in John chapter 1. I believe now I, I kind of understand a little bit just what, just what um, Nathaniel was, was, uh, was saying when Philip said, we found a Messiah. And he said, oh, yeah, really? Where does he come from? What's his name? Jesus of Nazareth. Huh. Where? <laughs> Say that again. Jesus of Nazareth. Man, has anything good ever come out of Nazareth? And when God can walk through these neighborhoods, you know what? It doesn't matter whether it's urban, suburban, or rural. The fact remains that everyone needs Jesus. Everyone. So let's, let's wrap this. Let's, let's bring this. Start wrapping this up. <clears throat> Now, here's, the, here's, here's, here's the, the second point I wanted to make. Notice, notice when Jesus asked the demon his name, what did he, what did he say his name was? Legion. legion, for we are what? Many. We are many. Here's the thing, though. Legion is, a, is singular. So even though there were many, they're united in their purpose and in their mission and in their goal. What's in the, what, what's in the name? See, this, this is mind-blowing that even the demons and the devils have one purpose, one mission, one goal. And yet, God's church, who claim to have one name, <laughs> Jesus But are we united? No. Shouldn't that, I mean, what is that saying? That the devils can unite with one mission, one purpose, one aim, one goal, and yet those who profess to be God's people and carry the name of Jesus be split and divided. I want to tell you one of the most saddest things that I've been witnessing over these last few months, or actually past few weeks, is dear brothers of mine who I love dearly, who I used to work with in the ministry, all attacking each other on Facebook. Present truth wars. Huh? Both claim to be present truth. They, they both claim, all these guys are claiming to be from the camp of present truth. Now, please don't misunderstand. I, too, believe in present truth. Would you say amen? But when we look at what is happening and when we look at these camps throwing stones at each other, attacking each other, how on Facebook? And does it give real present truth a bad name? God is trying to teach us something here. So point number two is, can we answer the prayer of Jesus in John chapter 17 when he said, Father, just as we are one, let your followers be one. Now, please don't misunderstand. We are to be one in the spirit. We are to be one on God's word. Would you say amen? The word of God is to be central. We are, not to be a, 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 we are not to be a small community within a community. We're supposed to go and integrate the community, change the culture, and by the grace of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit, touch people's lives to where now they come into harmony with God's word. What is happening with the church too often is that we are trying to adjust and adapt and trying to adjust and adapt the, the word of God to culture when it should be the other way around. But the only way that we can affect 
the community is if we're among the community, mingling with them. As, as Sister White says, um, also in the book Ministry of Healing, I, be, I believe it's page 143, somewhere around there, where she talks about Christ's method alone will bring true success. He mingled with the people, right? He had their best interests at heart. He ministered to their needs. He won their confidence. And then he bade them to do what? Follow me. So that's the question for us today. Are we mingling with the community? Are we making a difference in the community? Does the community even know who we are? <laughs> and if the church were to disappear from the community, would we be missed? Then it says that he ministered to their needs. One of the things that we're doing over there in Maple Valley now, and um, Kent and Renton, is we are being very intentional about going out and ministering to our communities. We're helping our single mothers or single parents who live in their car with their children, taking them to a nearby place where they help these ladies not only find shelter for, for themselves and for their children, but they also help them get a job. They also teach them how to do an interview again. They give them clothing to help them out with the interview. And then they find them housing. See, it's not just about giving them a handout. It's actually walking and talking with them and doing life with them to where you impact them. Mingling, ministering, trust, and then follow Jesus. Let me just, let me just go on. I know my time is just about gone. And sorry. Um... I do get excited about the Word of God. I get excited. I get excited about Jesus and what He does. Um, let's go on. It says here, And they besought Him that He would not command them to go out into the deep. Huh. You know, just a few chapters over, in Luke chapter 11, verse 26 on down, or a little bit even before that, it talks about how Christ, when a man is delivered from, a person is delivered from demons, that if you don't, if you don't allow Christ to come and fill your void, fill, that, fill, fill the, the, the emptiness that is left there. By the way, the only one who can really fill the void in our lives is Jesus. I hope you know that. Amen. He's the only one. Amen. We can try to fill it with anything else. It's not going to work. <laughs> Not, he said that the, the demon will go out and they're, you know, traveling. Because demons like to, they, they want to habitate. They want to host. Okay? They want somebody to host them. And so that's why these demons are like, please, don't just let us go out. Um, send us into the swine. Look at what the Bible goes on to say. And there were and heard of many swine feeding on the mountain, and they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them, and he suffered them. Then the devils went out of the man and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. And so here's the interesting part, too. Here's the interesting point I want to make. Whew, wow. In the spirit of prophecy, she says that when the demons entered them, the herd, the herd panicked. It's like they panicked. And they rushed right down that steep, you know, and went, into the, and went into the waters and they all drowned. Check this out. Even the pigs didn't want the demons to stay in them. But guess what's happening with humanity? We become too comfortable with them. You might be saying, wait, whoa, whoa. What do you mean? What do you mean, preacher? What do you mean we become too comfortable? Well, I might be, talking, I might be preaching to the choir because I, I think that this group, maybe, maybe not you. I don't know. But, you know, demons, demons do come through. Ellen White says that that's why we are to guard the five senses. Mm -hmm. The five senses. Because the enemy tries to get through your five senses. What you watch. See, we think that appetite is just eating, right? Eating food. Appetite is also what you feed your mind. Okay? Right. It's much more, it's much broader, folks. So it's whatever you're taking in. 
I find it interesting that the devil in Genesis chapter 3 used the serpent as his medium to speak. Oh, he's still speaking to a lot of kids today through animals. They're just animated. Let's look, look, just think with me. And now, now it's even gone to live action film. It's just a regurgitation of stuff that our kids and our young people have been bombarded with. We've been bombarded with. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, when I was a kid, and my dad hated this, me and my brothers, man, we, we used to collect Marvel comics. <laughs> now look at, look at how big Marvel blew up. And, 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 you know, I heard one preacher put it like this with this big movie called Endgame where this character named Thanos wants to cleanse the universe of, of, uh, of, of, of a certain population. And he was saying that if you really pay attention to that, that is actually their portrayal of God. They want to make him look like a sadistic God. And yet these are the things that, 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 are, that are feeding the minds of people. Now, let me ask you this. I mean, how many of you would, would actually freak out or trip out for, sorry, for my slang, lack of a better word, lack of a better term? But if you were going, how many, let me just see, how many, show of hands, how many of you guys have pets? How many of you, dogs? Cats? Others? Okay. All right, cool. Let's say for those of you who are dog or cat lovers, you're walking out of your house one day, you're about to head to work, right? And just as you're about to open the door, your dog is sitting there and he says, where are you going? <laughs> you know, what about me? Aren't you going to fill up my, my food and my water before you leave? <laughs> so you can imagine what, what, what must have, I mean, like Eve, right? What happened there at the Garden of Eden? But we're told in Spirit of Prophecy that his voice was so mesmerizing, um, that it, and, and, and musical. So I just want to share with you that I pray that we would not be, we would, we would be careful gossiping. Whew. You know, Ellen White says something interesting in the book Steps of Christ. She says, you know, that we, we like to look at the outward behavior. But there are deeper things in the heart that no one wants to touch on. Jealousy, anger, resentment, an unforgiving spirit, gossip, evil surmisings. These are things that are hidden in the heart that no one can see. See, we can all come, all come together and we can look the part, talk the part, act the part. But what's really going on inside of your heart? <laughs> what's going on inside of your home? When no one else is around. See, that was one of the most, that was the mo one of the most conflicting pictures I ever got. Was my dad. He would preach the gospel. And please understand, I... The Samoan culture is an interesting culture because in our island, there is no such thing as child abuse. No matter what extreme they took it to, that was discipline. And my father, whatever he could find, if it wasn't his fists, a hose, an extension cord, a weightlifting belt, I'm not talking about one of these small belts, I'm talking about that big fat one. And he would use the buckle side. We grew up around violence. And so the picture that I had of my dad, I'm saying, wow, this is, this is interesting. He's up here preaching the gospel about a loving Jesus. And yet when we're at home, we, we see something different. And so... We can, we, can, we can play church, <laughs> and we can act like everything's fine, but I want to share with you, our God who sees everything knows what's really going on. There are people who are mentally abused, emotionally abused, spiritually abused, sexually abused, and I'm here to share with you. That whatever space you find yourself in, whatever it is that you might be going through or you know somebody, I want to share with you, I mean, this, these mass shootings, this, you know, depressions, suicide rates going up in North America, everything that's happening. Folks, I want to share with you that the answer to all the ills and problems of the world is Jesus. Jesus. 
My final points. Verse 34, when they had fed them, Saul, was, saw, that, saw what was done. They fled and went and told it in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his what? Right mind. Right mind. <laughs> and they were, they were afraid. Let me, let me just hold my Bible. It took just this one encounter with Jesus for this man to be converted and transformed. The disciples weren't even converted even after three and a half years of being with Jesus. There will be people who we least expect <laughs> that are going to shock us. And you know, we're going to look at them. We... Because I'm, I'm, I'm sharing with you folks, God's promise is going to come to pass. There will, there will be a latter rain outpouring of his Holy Spirit. There will be an influx of people who come in to the church. And my question is, are we ready for such an influx? Are we ready for that 3,000 spoken of in Acts, 5,000? And then they got to a point where the church clerk said, you know what? I just throw up my hands. Many. Are you ready for people to come in who look differently than you? Who come in with all kinds of baggage? Who come in, who come in dressed differently, eat differently? Yeah. Are we ready for that? Because to some of us, that's too much work. <laughs> you mean, you, Pastor, are you telling me that I got to take them home with me? And my answer to that is yes. Why not? One of the things that we're starting over there with Renton and Kent and Maple Valley is now I praise God that there are families who are opening up their homes to start a home church. To invite people from the community. My wife and I, we've opened up our home at Ording. And we've invited our neighbors. And our neighbors, our neighbors, praise God, are coming to our home. Amen? Some of them would never step foot in a church. But they'll come to my house. Yeah, I'm talking people who are coming straight out of prison. I praise God for my wife. You got to understand, that's risky. Especially when you got little ones too. In the house, that's risky. I understand that. But I'm also trusting God. And I'm saying, Lord, if you want us to open up our home and invite these people to come in, let them come. And I want to tell you, we've been having a powerful time. Just opening the word of God, sharing testimonies, experiences, praying together. My wife and I have gone out into the neighborhood, knocking on doors, asking for prayer requests. Can we pray for you today? Oh, sure. So-and-so, my, 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 my husband, my wife, my children, my family member has cancer. Can you please pray for them? And we said to them, yes, we will commit to praying for your family. Now, unfortunately, according to this verse that I read about that, that, what I just said, that it took one encounter for this man to be converted and three and a half years for the disciples, I just wonder how many, how many of our church family members, not here, not here, but in general, are truly converted to Jesus. Let's close. By the way, don't you want to see people clothed in their right mind? Yes. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Are there a lot of, are there a lot of uh, sick minds out there today? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And the only one who can help is Jesus. I know that sounds oversimplistic, but it's the truth. It's the truth. Um, let's, let's, let's finish. Then when they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found a man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. They also which saw it told, told them by what, what means that he was possessed of the devils. 
was healed. Then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from them, for they were taken with great fear. And he went up into the ship and returned back again. Now the man out of whom the devils was departed besought him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to thine own house, and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. My two final points. And then I'm going to read a quote. My two final points. Question. That man was begging Jesus to go with him after what Jesus had just done for him. Why didn't Jesus let him go? It's, it's in the text. Go ahead. He wanted, he wanted him to stay where he was, right? and witness and share what God has done. Right? That's what the Bible says. How about this one? <laughs> let, me, let me read this. Let me read this. The Lord does not now work to bring many souls into the truth because of the church members who have never been converted and those who were once converted but who have backslidden. What influence would these unconsecrated members have on new converts? Will they not make of no effect the God-given message which his people are to bear? And so the other, the other way that I've looked at this is, yes, it's true. It's true. Christ wanted him to remain where he was, to be a witness in Decapolis and all those that were in that area. But I also believe that Jesus said, you know what? This guy is so, he's converted. He's freshly minted. His mind is right. I am not about to spoil that and bring him with my disciples. Because they would ruin him. These faithless, bickering, arguing, who's the greatest disciples, they would have ruined those demoniacs. And the question is, when, when, when I'm thinking about the state of the church and why we are not having the, the results that should be happening, especially with all the truth that we have, the Bible that we have, the spirit of prophecy that we have, the health message that we have, why are more people flocking into the church? And my belief is because we are not converted and ready to receive them yet. Amen. And God said, you know what? I just can't trust you with them yet. I had to put a dear sister in place I love her dearly. I had to be corrected myself. And I heard this story, it goes along with this one pastor. Please, again, context is key. There was a church in California where one pastor, a person who was not even a part of the Adventist church yet, she was, she was growing and she was, she was on the cusp of making a decision for Jesus. It was a fellowship meal Sabbath, and she showed up with her dish, and she was so excited. She shared with the pastor, oh, pastor, I made this dish. Oh, I took all, all this time to bake it and make it. It was a meat dish. And she was so excited about it. Well, somebody across the parking lot heard that and yelled out, we don't eat meat at this church. Yeah. Cannibal behavior, right? Spiritual cannibals. This lady was shattered. Standing there. Wow. But you know what I appreciate about the pastor? He said, that's all right, sis. God had you make that for me, and I'm going to enjoy that today. Final point. And I had that sister in my church who, one dear saint, she's brand new in our church, during my Revelation seminar, which recently concluded, and praise God for the souls that were won to Jesus, 
But this dear saint, brand new, said that she would provide the refreshments night after night after night after night, and she was faithful. Well, she just happened to find some plant-based bologna. <laughs> and she made some nice sandwiches, vegan. And this dear sister walks into the line, and she's got, she's got guests behind her. And she looks at these sandwiches, and she folds her arms, and she's, you know, we shouldn't be serving that here at this church. We shouldn't be eating fake meat. So I was standing in line, and I said, it's okay, sis. If you don't want to eat it, don't eat it. Go ahead. Pick what you like and step out of line. Amen. Again, let me be very clear. Has God given us reforms? Yes. But we ought to be very careful when we start to make these things salvational. I got news for you. Our salvation is found only in the person of Jesus Christ. And unless you and I have experienced that, then all the other stuff, you can go to hell being a vegan. Because you can eat all that stuff and be miserable and be sour. You know, I used to do that too. I see somebody over there eating something that really I want. And you know, misery loves company, right? And so I'm over there, man, you know, you shouldn't be eating that, right? You shouldn't be eating that. You shouldn't be eating that. And, and the truth of the matter is I'm over here just miserable with my carrot and broccoli. So the last point is, when you are truly converted, your testimony will be the greatest sermon that people will ever see and hear. If you read the account, Ellen White says that this man did not have, these men did not have the opportunity to sit under Jesus and learn from him and be taught by him. They simply went out and shared what God had done for them. And beloved, I want to share with you, that's the reason why wherever God takes me to preach the gospel, like Paul says over there in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, I'm not ashamed of it. For it is the power of God unto salvation. And I'm trying to share with young people, I, I, I just like to be transparent, open, and real. <laughs> I'm not trying to, you know, give you some deep theological study. You know why? Because there are simple things in the Word of God that we've overlooked and missed. Amen. So, that's my appeal to you today, is this morning. Whatever it is that you're you're dealing with in your own personal life, whatever issues, whatever trials, whatever troubles, I want you to know that you have a friend in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit has been sent according to the spirit of prophecy to help us deal with both cultivated and hereditary tendencies of evil. So whether you picked it up somewhere along the line and you practice it now, or it's in your bloodline, I got news for you. Even if it's in your bloodline, the blood of Jesus is more powerful. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I want to thank you for your word. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for my family here. And I know, Lord, that we all, we all come from different backgrounds, different families, different situations and circumstances, Lord. But, Father, we are so thankful. We are so thankful for Jesus. Because he walked in our shoes. Lord, he, he grew up in the worst neighborhood in his time. Lord, he was, he was um, born into a blended family. <laughs> he had siblings that were trying to 
control his work. He had siblings who didn't believe who he was. Lord, he came from a, he came from a poor home. And Lord, I, I thank you so much that no matter what, what our situation is, no matter what space we find ourselves in, even at this very moment, Lord, marriages could be, could be in trouble. Um, homes could be in trouble. Maybe relationships between parents and children. Maybe the youth. Uh, maybe the older ones, Lord, maybe even us pastors. Father, I pray that wherever the issues are, whatever the problems are, help us, Lord, to give it all to you. Because yes. you're big enough, Lord, to take them and carry them all. And so, Father, I pray that you would bless my family, that you would bless our time together, and that this camp meeting won't just be another meeting. Let revival take place through the Holy Spirit. Bless us as we continue on throughout this day. In Jesus' name I pray. And let everyone say, Amen. 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 Thank you. God bless. Amen.